Hello world, this is Roger Corvale and this is For the Hope. Here we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Was Jesus just a dude? I mean, after all, he didn't say he was God, did he? Hey, Hopeful. Welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we consider life and work and sometimes even cultural observations or questions or objections in light of God's Word. Today and tomorrow, our New Testament segments are going to be a little bit shorter because our Old Testament segments necessarily are a little longer to keep us from leaving uh, a scene hanging in the middle. But before we get there, you know you are called to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And answering that question or objection is one of the easier things to do. Uh, And you're going to hear about that today. So far in the book of Luke, we've read the infancy narrative and then seen kind of preparation of both Jesus and John the Baptist preparing the way. Then we heard a genealogy where Luke traces Jesus's lineage back to hmm, son of God. And then, of course, the temptation, which arguably fits into that picture, too. But now we're going to hear the beginning of rejection. Interestingly, out of Jesus reading the Bible. Luke chapter four, picking up in verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. They were speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth, yet they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Doctor, heal yourself. What we've heard that took place in Capernaum, do here in your hometown also. He also said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's day. And when the sky was shut up for three years and six months while the great, while a great famine came over the land, yet Elijah didn't, was not sent to any of them except the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, Everyone in the synagogue was enraged. They got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on, intending to hurl him over the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. And that, my friends, gets us up through verse 30. Why did they want to kill him? 
Well, number one, they knew he was saying he was the Messiah promised in Isaiah 61. And to be fair, there are even clearer texts where it's clear that the Jews knew he was equating himself with God, which was something that would have been blasphemous if it weren't true. But he also then went on to say, oh, and you're going to reject me. And these two examples I just gave you were of Gentiles. What? The Messiah came to Gentiles? My friends, do you remember C.S. Lewis's trilemma? We can't repeat that too much, so I will refresh you in our closing segment because there's a, it's a critical question. Was Jesus just a guy or was he God? <laughs> hey, as we turn to our Old Testament segment, remember that we are in the mid-700s B.C., And unless you have just tuned into this program for the very first time, you know that we've been pausing in 2 Kings at several points along the way to read the works of other contemporaneous prophets like Jonah and Joel, Hosea, we just finished up. Well, today it's back to 2 Kings. And then interestingly, tomorrow we start the book of Isaiah and we'll be doing a little more jumping around all in the hopes that it's approximately chronological. 2 Kings chapter 15. In the 27th year of Israel's King Jeroboam, Azariah son of Amaziah became king of the southern kingdom of Judah. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. Azariah did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done, yet... The high places were not taken away. The people continued sacrificing and burning incense on the high places. The Lord afflicted the king, and he had a serious skin disease until the day of his death. He lived in quarantine while Jotham, the king's son, was over the household governing the people of the land. The rest of the events of Azariah's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. Azariah rested with his ancestors, and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. His son Jotham became king in his place. In the 38th year of Judah's king Azariah, Zechariah, son of Jeroboam, reigned over the northern kingdom of Israel in Samaria for mm, six months. (laughs) He did what was mm, evil in the Lord's sight, as his predecessors had done. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, that he had caused Israel to commit. Shalom, son of Jabesh, conspired against Zechariah. He struck him down publicly, killed him, and became king in his place. As for the rest of the events of Zechariah's reign, they are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. The word of the Lord that he spoke to Jehu was, Four generations of your sons will sit on the throne of Israel. And it was so. In the 39th year of Judah's king Uzziah, Shalom, by the way, Remember the, how Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1 starts out? In the year King Uzziah died, right? Remember that kind of Old Testament way of keeping, you know, parallel narratives uh, straight in terms of the timeline, which, of course, we even see Luke do. All right, back at it. In the 39th year of Judah's King Uzziah, Shalom, son of Jabesh, became king, and he reigned in Samaria a full month. Then Menahem, son of Gadi, came up from Terzah to Samaria and struck down Shalom, son of Jabesh, there. He killed him and became king in his place. As for the rest of the events of Shalom's reign, along with the conspiracy that he formed, they are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. 
At that time, starting from Terza, Menahem attacked Tifshah, all who were in it and its territory because they wouldn't surrender. He ripped open all the pregnant women. In the 39th year of Judah's king Azariah, Menahem, son of Gadi, became king over Israel, and he reigned 10 years in Samaria, the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Throughout his reign, he did not turn away from the sins Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to commit. King Pul of Assyria invaded the land, so Menahem gave Pul 75,000 pounds of silver so that Pul would support him to strengthen his grasp on the kingdom. Then Menahem exacted 20 ounces of silver from each of the prominent men of Israel to give to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria withdrew and did not stay there in the land. The rest of the events of Menahem's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. Menahem rested with his ancestors, and his son Pekahiah became king in his place. In the fiftieth year of Judah's king Azariah, Pekahiah, son of Menahem, became king over Israel and Samaria, and he reigned two years. He did what was mm, evil in the Lord's sight and did not turn away from the sins Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to commit. Then his officer, Pekah, son of Remaliah, conspired against him and struck, down in, struck him down in Samaria at the citadel of the king's palace with Argob and Ariah. There were 50 Gileadite men with Pekah, he killed Pekahiah and became king in his place. As for the rest of the events of Pekahiah's reign, along with all his accomplishments, they are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. In the 52nd year of Judah's king Azariah, Pekah son of Remaliah became king over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned 20 years. He did what was mm, evil in the Lord's sight. He did not turn away from the sins Jeroboam son of Nebat had caused Israel to commit. In the days of King Pekah of Israel, King Tiglath-Pelazar of Assyria came and captured Ijon, Abelbeth, Makkah, Janoah, Kadesh, Hazor, Gilead, and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and deported the people to Assyria. Then Hosea, this is a Hosea, different than Hosea we read, Hosea, son of Elah, organized a conspiracy against Pekah, son of Remaliah. He attacked him, killed him, and became king in his place in the twentieth year of Jotham, son of Uzziah. As for the rest of the events of Pekah's reign, along with all his accomplishments, they are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. In the second year of Israel's king Pekah, son of Remaliah, Jotham, son of Uzziah, became king of Judah. He was twenty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, son of Zadok. And he did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his father Uzziah had done. Yet the high places were not taken away. The people continued sacrificing and burning incense on the high places. Jotham built the upper gate of the Lord's temple, and the rest of the events of Jotham's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. In those days the Lord began sending Aram's king Rezin and Pekah, son of Remaliah, against Judah, Jotham rested with his ancestors and was buried with his fathers in the city of his ancestor David. His son Ahaz became king in his place. In the seventeenth year of Pekah, son of Remaliah, Ahaz, son of Jotham, became king of Judah. Ahaz was twenty years old when he became king, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. He did not 
do what was right in the sight of the Lord, his God, like his ancestor David, but walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even sacrificed his son in the fire, imitating the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. He sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. And then Aram's king Rezin and Israel's king Pekah, son of Remaliah, came to wage war against Jerusalem. They besieged Ahaz, but were not able to conquer him. And at that time, Aram's king Rezin recovered Elath for Aram and expelled the Judahites from Elath. Then the Arameans came to Elath, and they still live there today. So Ahaz sent messengers to King telgath Pelesar of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. March up and save me from the grasp of king, the king of Aram and the king of Israel, who are rising up against me. And just a quickie pause. Remember that Aram is what we now think of as Syria, which is north of Israel. And even though it is the Assyrians that ultimately conquer the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC, God promised to preserve a remnant out of Judah, the southern kingdom, and hence, um, interestingly, Ahaz here is pleading to the king of Assyria for uh, help against Israel and Aram. And it'd be 150 years later-ish that the southern kingdom of Judah would fall to Babylon. So Ahaz sent messengers to King telgath Pelesar of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. March up and save me from the grasp of Aram, the king of Aram and the king of Israel, who are rising up against me. Ahaz also took the silver and gold found in the Lord's temple and in the treasuries of the king's palace and sent them to the king of Assyria as a bribe. So the king of Assyria listened to him and marched up to Damascus and captured it. He deported its people to Kir, but put Rezin to death. King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet King Tilgath-Pelesar of Assyria, and when he saw the altar that was in Damascus, King Ahaz sent a model of the altar and complete plans for its construction to the priest Uriah. Uriah built the altar according to all the instructions King Ahaz sent from Damascus. Therefore, by the time King Ahaz came back from Damascus, King the priest Uriah had completed it. And when the king came back from Damascus, he saw the altar, and then he approached the altar and ascended it, and he offered his burnt offering and his grain offering, poured out his drink offering, and splattered the blood of his fellowship offerings on the altar. He took the bronze altar that was was before the Lord in front of the temple between his altar and the Lord's temple, and put it on the north side of his altar. And then King Ahaz commanded the priest Uriah, Offer on the great altar the morning burnt offering, the evening grain offering, and the king's burnt offering, and his grain offering. Also offer the burnt offering of all the people of the land, their grain offering, and their drink offerings, and splatter on the altar all the blood of the burnt offering and all the blood of sacrifice. And the bronze altar will be for me to seek guidance. The priest Uriah did everything King Ahaz commanded. That's just the height of idolatry and rejection of God right there. Then King Ahaz cut off the frames of the water carts and removed the bronze basin from each of them. And he took the basin from the bronze oxen that were under it and put it on a stone pavement. To satisfy the king of Assyria, he removed from the Lord's temple the Sabbath canopy they had built in the palace, and he closed the outer entrance for the king. 
The rest of the events of Ahaz's reign, along with his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. Ahaz rested with his ancestors and was buried with his father in his fathers in the city of David, and his son Hezekiah became king in his place. Hmm. You wonder what all those prophets were, you know, delivering God's can of whoop butt on? Well, there you go. And for our uh, wisdom segment today, been a while since we've had one in uh, Proverbs. So picking up in Proverbs 11 at verse 15, before we get to our closing reflection segment. If someone puts up security for a stranger, he will suffer for it. But the one who hates such agreements is protected. A gracious woman gains honor, but violent people gain only riches. A kind man benefits himself, but a cruel person brings ruin on himself. The wicked person earns an empty wage, but the one who sows righteousness a true reward. Genuine righteousness leads to death, but pursuing evil leads to death. Those with twisted minds are detestable to the Lord, but those with blameless conduct are his delight. Be assured that a wicked person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will escape. A beautiful woman who rejects good sense is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. (laughs) I think we're just going to have to call it good there because uh, I am just too amused. Thank you for being amused with me. Um, that's funny. That is just funny right there. Hey, you know, C.S. Lewis is, it's called this trilemma, and it is, you, it's super famous among in certain circles, right? It's a three-sided dilemma. And it's famous for a reason. If some guy claims to be God, one of three things is true. He's either lying or a lunatic, or he's in fact Lord. So it's worth asking others, even just who who do you say Jesus is? What do, what do you think? Oh, and maybe even yourself, right? Do you really want to follow someone who's a known liar? Uh, no. <laughs> or maybe he wasn't in his right mind and and he didn't know he was lying. How about putting your life into the hands of a lunatic. But if if Jesus actually is God, then you've got a decision to make. Remember, Jesus uttered two words that are both a command and an invitation. Follow me. And he actually did say that he was God. So will you let him be Lord or King of your life? Because your eternal destiny depends on the answer to that question. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.